You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Today, we're looking at living in a foreign land. Living in a foreign land, believers, strangers are to remain focused. Today, on Words of Encouragement. Living in a foreign land. I told you we'd see this picture over and over. But uh, living in a foreign land. Believers, strangers are to remain focused. We as believers, strangers are to remain focused. Not on this world. It's easy to get focused on this world. Television, the news, everything. Everybody's talking about everything else. But we're not to be focused on this world. But on the one who is to come. Not on our trials, but on the fullness of our salvation to come. That is the way we battle and combat loneliness and depressing trials that come our way. When we're, when we're given, when, or as, as some people would say, when something bad is just thrown in your, something comes into your life and you're like, oh no, what is this? How am I? Those are the moments you go to the one who can help. That's what you do. You go to God. You go to the one who can help. You don't focus on the problem and say, well, now I've got this in my life now. I guess this is just going to be part of who I am now. No, no, no. You go to God. You go to him. You lean on him. You inquire of him. You talk to him. You don't allow the things of this world to get a hold of you. You fight it. You fight it. First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. I'm going to ask if you are able to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 16, but just reading 15 and 16 right now. The Bible says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. May the Spirit drive, may the Spirit of our Lord drive that home in our hearts today in a meaningful and long-lasting way. I invite you to be seated. Believers, strangers, believers, strangers, these are strangers. These are people in this world like you and I. We don't belong in this world. This world is temporary. We don't belong here, but we are believer strangers. We've trusted in Christ. So it sets us apart from everybody else in this world. We are different because of the one we follow. So we're different. So believer strangers. The first thing I want us to see is that believer strangers have history on their side. Look at verses 10 through 12. Bible says, As to the salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to... It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now, what in the world is being said here? In looking at these verses, these prophets, it mentions the prophets of old who heard the prophecies, who shared the prophecies about the coming Messiah. They knew he was coming, but they wondered, 
when. They wanted to know how. All they had was what God had given to them to write down to share. That's all they had. And so they wanted, they looked into this. The Bible tells us right there. It looked in, did careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know, desperately seeking, wanted a, to gain a clear glimpse of the person or the time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. This salvation was part of these believers' lives as they lived in a foreign land. It was prophesied a long time ago. Long time ago, it was told by the prophets that there would be a salvation coming, a Savior coming. This grace was the outworking of God's goodwill in sending His Son, Jesus, to die for us. The prophets searched intently and with great care, those words are translated to be, to mean. The greatest care and intensity as they looked into this salvation to come. Where was it coming? How was it coming? How was it going to come? Look at verse 11. Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them indicate was indicating they wanted to know how they wanted to know when they wanted to know through whom this salvation was going to come if salvation was coming they wanted to know how it was going to get here and so they looked into it as best they could they tried to understand how is it that this salvation from god is going to come they had issues with the suffer, suffering savior that's not right that doesn't seem right when we have a superhero the superhero is bulletproof the superhero can do anything the superhero doesn't die the superhero comes in and saves the day so what in the world how is this salvation going to come but it's talking about the suffering of the Savior. Well, now that just doesn't make sense. The sufferings of Christ, this just didn't make sense to them. They didn't understand that part. This, this is not how it should work according to how they felt it should go. And so they had questions and they were searching. They were trying to understand this. In verse 12, it was revealed to them, though, that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. They were made to realize that the prophesying, the prophesying was not for them. It was for those who were to follow. The salvation is coming. It's coming. It is for those who were to follow, these generations to follow. It was for those who were to follow. It's neat to know also that even the angels were interested in this salvation and how it was to work. Things into which angels long to look. Interesting little phrase there. Interesting little addition there that Peter puts there. The angels were interested in this. How did this work out? As believers, strangers in a foreign land and in this world, you and I have history on our side when it comes to salvation. We have history on our side. This is not something we just made up. This is not something we just came up with on our own. You know what? Wouldn't it be neat if, if all the bad things that we've ever done uh, could be forgiven? Wouldn't that be neat? Let's come up with some kind of... Um, way that can happen let's just you know let's just get a committee together 
I mean, let's just get a group of folks together. Let's talk about this. Let's figure out how we can get salvation, how we can say that salvation comes. That's not what happened here. We have history on our side. We have prophets of old, Old Testament. That's why they got, you know, the Old Testament. They, they call it the Old Testament. It's the, the previous Testament. But in the Old Testament, you see all these prophecies about the salvation to come. We have history on our side. We don't have to say, we, we can't, we can boldly declare we did not come up with this. This is not something we just came up with on a whim. This is not something we even planned out. This was prophesied a long time ago. These prophets told us about this a long time ago. We've got history as believers, strangers in this world. We've got history on our side. We, we don't... We, we, don't, we can't just say, well, you know, we came up with it. We, we can deny that we came up with it because we have history on our side. When it comes to salvation, it is not a new concept. It was conceived before you and I were ever... Isn't that nice? It's not a concept of man, but of God. So we've got history on our side. We have history on our side when it comes to salvation. We've got history on our side. Well, that's a great thing. That's an important thing. You l- Listen, you look into... Uh, our constitution, you look into the interpretation of the constitution, some would say, oh no, you don't do that, you just look at what it says. Well, yeah, but what you think it says and how it, it how the founding fathers meant it, that means you've got to go dig back and you've got to look into the founding fathers of our country, you've got to look at how they saw life as best you can determine. It's You've got to dig, you've got to look. And these prophets, they were digging about this salvation, trying to figure it out, how's this going to work, then they realized, oh, okay, it's for those who are to come. It's okay. It's all going to So even they had questions back then. But we look at our own constitution, and we've got to look and figure out how does this work? What is this about? What is it saying? We've got history, and we can look at history of our own country and say, oh, wow, these are the important things. These are the important things in our constitution. These are important things that we believe in. Free speech, that's important to us. A lot of those, a lot of the Constitution, all of the Constitution is important to us. So we have those things. Well, these believers, strangers, these believers, strangers, they are fixed on the grace of God. As believers, strangers in this world, they're not focused. Listen very carefully. Believers, strangers, you and I are not focused on the reasoning and philosophies of, of this world. We are focused on God's grace. His grace. He chose to give us salvation. He chose to make a way for you and I to be able to be with Him in heaven forever. He chose to provide a way for our sins to be forgiven. It's up to God. God did that. He chose. It's His grace. Look at verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. You may have a version this morning that says, gird up the loins of your mind. That's actually the uh, literal uh, interpretation of that phrase. Gird up the loins of your mind for action. Remember, if you remember the Old Testament, uh, I think, uh, I can't remember a specific instance. I know there are some uh, where the man girded up his loins before he took off running. He, He pulled up his robe so he could run. He didn't want to trip. And so he prepared himself to run. All right, that's what's happening here. This is what's happening here. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. So prepare to think, prepare to move, prepare to make a move. Keep sober in spirit. 
Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you. Gird up the loins of your mind. Focus yourself on what God is going to do through Christ when He comes back and that grace is made real and complete and we get to go to heaven. Focus. Focus. Completely, it says, fix your hope completely on the grace. Gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare for action. We're to be sober. In other words, these believers, strangers, are not to be carried away by their emotions. They're not to be carried away by their emotions and get all upset about things and, oh, my goodness, and just go crazy. They're to focus. Focus on His grace. Have you ever seen someone carried away by their emotions? It's most troubling. It's most troubling to see someone carried away by their emotions, whether it's a sadness. Anger is scary to see someone carried away by anger. That's a scary thing to watch, isn't it? That's scary. You know what? When I watch a football game and I see a coach or a player go, you know, carried away with their emotions and anger, it's scary. It's scary to watch. Now, some of you probably look at, well, he just needs to stop that. And I agree. But it's scary to watch because these are grown people. These are adults, you know. And when I was a child, I thought adults were perfect. I had this in my mind. They know everything because they're big people. You know, when I was growing up, I got to go to big church. I was happy because it was with the big people. Now they weren't overweight. They were adults. That's what I'm saying. They were adults. They were big people, bigger than me. And so I look and think, well, they're, you know, they, they know so much. And then I see them act like that and it just kills me. I just think, what is going on here? Oh my goodness. Look at this. We don't need to be carried away by our emotions. In fact, uh, when we do in anger, sometimes it nullifies any previous loving acts in which we may have engaged. You realize that? When we get carried away by our anger and we start, rah, 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 somebody looks and goes, good night. I thought they were real nice. I thought they were a kind person. I thought they were someone who kept their emotions in check. I thought they were a loving person. Look at that. Oh, my. It's most disturbing. It always disturbs me when I see behavior like that uh, out of a public figure. It doesn't matter who they are, actor, actress, actress, uh, CEO, politician, preacher, anything. I look and think, good night, I just expect better. My goodness, I expect better. I don't understand this. But we don't need to be carried away by our emotions. We can't afford to let our emotions get the best of us. Why? Because we're to be focused on the grace of Christ and People are looking to see that grace in us. How can they see it if we're being carried away by our emotions? If we're just, oh, everything is just, uh, the intensity level for our emotions. Oh, just, you know, if we're mad, we're very mad. If we're sad, we're very sad. Listen, God can help us. God can help us. He can rein us in. He can help us deal with our emotions in a way that brings honor and glory to Him. And we must allow Him to do that. Notice the last part of verse 13. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is something to come. 
This is not something fully realized now in a time of a trial. You're going through a tough time. You're not thinking, wow, the grace of God. Wow, I've got that to look forward to. The, the, the full realization of my trusting in Him, my salvation, me being in the presence of God. That, when we're in a trial, that's not where we go, do we? That's not where we go. We look at the trial and go, oh my goodness, it's so horrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, my life is over. Life's just not worth it. It's just horrible. Oh my goodness. We need to learn somehow to focus. We need to learn to fix, as it says, our hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We need to focus on the fact that there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. And it's going to be glorious and it's going to be with God. This is something to come. Don't let the trial that you face get you off your mission. Focus on what is to come. Remember the joy that you had when you had a birthday or when Christmas was near? There was a great deal of excitement and that joy. You you were like, oh boy, my birthday's coming. My birthday's coming. You know, oh wow, our Christmas is coming. Oh boy, you know, you just got excited. There was just this growing excitement. And every day, especially if you go, oh my goodness, especially if you go to a church that does Advent like we do, it, it, every day, okay, we're getting closer, we're getting closer, closer. okay, you know, it's like, ah, oh, and there's a longing, and there's something about that though, there's something about that longing, God wants us to have that longing for Him, that we're just building up to that day. Every day, we're getting closer, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. Closer to the day we get to be with God. It's going to happen, it's coming, it's coming. And we need to dwell on that. We need to live in that. That joy that is associated with the fullness of our salvation. Let me ask you something. What are, what are, these, people, uh, what are these people not focusing on if they are focusing, if they're focusing on the grace that is coming? What are they not focusing? They're not focusing on the trials. They're not focusing on the troubles. If they're focusing on the grace that is to come, if they're, if they're focusing on that day when they get to be with God in heaven, if they're focusing on that, that's where their mind is. That's where their heart is. And do you realize if you do that, all this kind of stuff down here, it, gets so, it starts getting real small. It starts becoming very small. It's try. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good night. I forgot to pay my taxes. Oh my goodness. That's huge. Oh no. File the extension somehow. You know. Can you do that after you forget? I don't know. It still works out. You know. It, this look. We get all upset about stuff. If we focus on the right things, the grace. Look, I love the way that the, in the New American Standard puts it. Fix your hope completely on the grace. Boy, that's awesome. Your mind is not consumed with doom and gloom, but with joy if you're focusing on the grace that is to come. There is coming a day when no heartaches shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand. And leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day. 
that will be. That song came to my head when I was preparing the sermon. I was like, oh, man, that is awesome. What a day that will be when his face we see. Oh, man, can you just imagine? I can imagine. I mean, there, there is so much that is better than where we are right now. So much that is better. But it's not here now. But it's there. And it's coming. And we're going to be able to be there. Those of us who've trusted in Christ, those of us who have put our life in His hands, we're going to be there. It's going to happen. It's going to happen for us. We need to focus on the fullness of the grace of God to come. And the last thing, believer strangers are not to be conformed to this world. Oh, that's a big word. That could, that's almost a sermon in itself there. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, or as it's been, um, as it, if, it's, if, you take, if you look at the original language, children of obedience. And I love that because that puts a stamp on them. These are children who obey. These are children of obedience. But anyway, for us in the English, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. The phrase obedient children there, I love that. Um, Peter's using that to remind us who we are in Christ. Who are you? You're a child of obedience. That's who you are. You're a child who is obedient to God. And that's a good thing to be reminded of, isn't it? Isn't that a wonderful thing to be reminded that I am, oh, I'm an obedient child. Oh, you know, Brother Craig, I really don't want to go there because sometimes that makes me feel funny because maybe I'm not always obedient to God. So, Brother Craig, would you just move on? Could we just move on to something different? Because that's, that's uncomfortable. And yes, it should be. It should be. If we cannot proudly wear the shirt that says of us, a child of obedience to God, then we need to look into that relationship, don't we? We need to look at that. We need to decide, are we a child of obedience or are we not? Where do we fall in the realm of obedience to God? If you've given yourself to Him, then you belong to Him. And you've indicated to Him and to the world, uh, those people that know you, your willingness to follow and be obedient. Anyway, as we look at this verse, Peter calls us children of obedience to remind us to obey God, which means we do not conform to the former lust of the, the, that we were a part of earlier. It, it means we are not like we were, but we are new in Christ. Participation in these former lusts is a mark of those who do not know Christ. Okay? So if you and I, if you and I are participating in sinful behavior... The world looks at us and says, oh, I thought they were a Christian. Never, never, to the best of your ability, allow yourself to be placed in a spot where the world has to wonder who you belong to. Never, just, just try your best not to put yourself in a spot where the world has to wonder, are they a Christian or are they not? Live a life that is holy to Him. Live a life of obedience to Him. There are signs that a person is not different from the rest of the world. And those signs are that we do what God is leading us to do. If a person has Christ in their hearts, they're going to be different. These believers, strangers, live in these foreign lands. They're 
as they do, that Peter is writing to, they are to live in a way that reflects Christ and his love. If they slip back into the former way of living, the former lusts that they were in, they're making a statement. They're making a statement. They're saying to everybody around them, you know, I really don't take it seriously. I really don't take this God stuff seriously because I'm going to do what I want to do. And they're making that statement that Jesus doesn't make a difference in someone's life. Wow, that's troubling. I dare say none of us want to make that statement in the world today. None of us want to make a statement to the world that we don't belong to him, that Jesus doesn't make a difference in our lives. We don't want to say that to anybody. Well, Brother Craig, I'll never say that to anybody. Maybe not with words. Maybe not with words. As these believers, strangers, live there to reflect the love of Christ. And if we truly want to reflect His love, then we'll be careful not to fall backwards, but to move forward in our journey of becoming more like Him. We need to be conformed to Christ, not to this world. And the last thing here, believer strangers are to be holy. And I've read that verse already. Peter continues his thought here. Instead of falling back into the way you used to live before you accepted Christ, before your encounter with Him, he says, be holy. Be holy. Become holy. Place yourself in a state of holiness and not worldliness. The command to be holy indicates that the pilgrim people of God were to live differently. Differently, not just like everybody else, but differently. They're to separate themselves from evil desires of the world and live in a way that pleases God. These believers, as they lived in a foreign land, were to be holy in all of their behavior. Again, what happens when we live a holy life before a fallen world? The world is able to see that there is an alternative in how they can live. There is something that is better. There is a life more noble, more upright, more decent, more loving. When these believer strangers and, as, and we as believer strangers live holy lives before a fallen world, people will be able to see that God does change lives. But they're going to have to see it in us. They're going to have to see it in how we treat people. They're going to have to see it in our facial expressions. They're going to have to see the love of Christ. And it's more important, I believe, now than any other time in our recent history that people see the love of God in us. In Leviticus 11, verse 44, the Bible, uh, Bible says this. God is speaking here to His children about being ceremonially unclean. He says, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am holy. And you shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. Oh, this is just a foretaste of what He's asking later through the hand of Peter here. In verse 16, uh, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy, we must be careful not to allow ourselves to be unclean with the ways of the world. We, we, we must not get the dirt and the mess of the world on us. We've got to be clean. We've got to be separated out from this world. Our goal is not to blend in, but to be holy. Being holy sets us apart. And it's just the nature of being a follower of Jesus. If you are following Jesus, you're going to be set apart. The closer you get to Jesus, the further away from the world you are. That's the way it works. Being holy sets us apart from the world, and yet it also plants in the minds of the curious unbelievers the topic, the subject of God. And they're going to have to deal with it. 
when they are faced with a Christian who is following Jesus, when they are faced with a true believer who is following him, they're going to have to ask questions. They're going to want to know, why are you like this? Why do you go to church? Why do you read the Bible? Why do you follow Jesus? Why? They're going to want to know. And there's your open invitation to tell them. And you tell them. And you share with them. And you say, this is why I am who I am. This is why I love you. This is why I didn't didn't give you a weird face because your hair is green. Because you matter to God. You matter to God. This is why I didn't look at you and, and then look away and act like I didn't see you. Because you matter to God. And you matter to me. The world needs to see us. The world needs to see us. His children living out holy lives in this world. We have history on our side when it comes to the salvation. We need to focus on the fullness of the grace of God to come. We need to be conformed to Christ, not this world. We need to be holy examples to the world of the power and love of Christ. We, you, me, we are the ones who do this. But brother preacher, why can't somebody else? Because you are called. I am called. We are called to live out his love. We cannot say, well, I think somebody can do it better. I'll let them do it. No, you know people I don't know. You know people other people won't know. You are called to be the light to the people that are around you. The people you know, the people you don't know, but the people you run into often. And you wonder, why am I keep running? Why do I keep running? Yeah, there's a reason. Let God work. Let Him use you. Let Him do what He wants to do. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. We're happy that you joined us today. Uh, as we look and follow through the letter from 1 Peter, or actually the letter from Peter, which is called 1 Peter. Believer strangers, we have history on our side when it comes to salvation. We are to focus on the fullness of the grace of God to come. And we need to be holy examples to the world of the power and love of Christ. I hope that you're able to do that. I hope that that's who you are day to day. Remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. Yes, you're a stranger in this world. This world is full of strange things. This world is full of ungodliness. But we are here. You are here. We, as God's children, are living here. And so as long as we are here, we are to make a difference. And the fact that we are God's children, we do make a difference. Our very presence, our very day-to-day decisions make a difference in this world. The way we vote, the way we treat other people, the way... Uh, We transact business. Uh, All of that makes a difference in this world. So go and shine your light. Shine the light of Christ this week. Shine. Let him be seen through you. Thank you for joining us. For words of encouragement, for more information, you can go to fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com. The First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana, cares about you.